0: Welcome to Zen for Everyday Life with Matt Valentine. Insight, inspiration, and wisdom for living a more mindful, peaceful, and joy filled life. Episode number 28. Welcome to a new episode of Zen for Everyday Life. I am Matt Valentine and today we are going to talk about how to take your mindfulness meditation practice to the next level. And so we're going to talk about sort of two aspects to that. The technical aspect of if you have been counting for some time and you feel like you've begun to get comfortable counting, like you can count very effectively, kind of where you go from there Uh, in the sort of basic sitting, mindful breathing practice, the basic sort of mindfulness meditation practice. And then also in a sort of uh, expanded sense, where do you go from there? If you want to do more for your practice on a larger scale, what do you do outside of just the technical aspect? So within this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what's usually called the deep end of the pool. Of meditation and that's something that I haven't gotten into a lot of detail on uh, in the podcast at least I've done a lot of a lot of writing about that on on the blog uh, but not on the podcast so much yet so Really, all depends on where you're at in your practice. Um, there will be tips within this episode for everyone, essentially those who have just started out. Uh, there'll be some really great tips, and also those who've been practicing for some time. Especially if you began your practice anywhere other than a formal, a formal center or a formal school or monastery or program or, or anything of that of that nature. If you started your practice outside of something like that, uh, then the tips within this this podcast will likely have a lot of weight, a lot of value. For you. So, uh, but before we get to today's episode, just wanted to take a moment to uh, let you know where you can get more uh, for me and the blog and the podcast. This is the official Buddhaimonia podcast. You can visit Buddhaimonia.com, that's B U D D H A I M O N I A.com to get my weekly blog posts, various mindfulness and meditation guides podcast episode show notes, my books, and various other resources. Plus, you can join the weekly Buddhaimonia newsletter at Buddhaimonia.com forward slash newsletter to uh, get various free gifts and my weekly newsletter. And you can pick up my free ebook, The Little Book of Mindfulness, which is a A to Z introduction to the practice of mindfulness meditation. So again, that's at buddha.money.com/newsletter. Okay, so let's get to today's episode, how to take your mindfulness meditation practice to the next level. So with the combination of the advent of the internet alongside the veritable avalanche of research uh, validating the benefits of mindfulness meditation practice, mindfulness practice in general. For the most part, the practice aspect comes in the form of meditation, but there's also different forms of, all different forms of mindfulness practice. Uh, But with that uh, great level of research validating the benefits of mindfulness practice, a lot of people have become attracted to it and have begun their practice. Uh, but a lot of people have begun their practice online or they've begun their practice, and maybe they went to a one time class somewhere and they picked it up and they've kind of continued since then they've looked up more information online and and they have their own individual practice, um, but they don't have really any sort of formal guidance, and so they're not really sure where to go uh, from the stage that they're at, whether they've just begun or. They've been meditating for months or a year or two years just on their own. Uh, or maybe they had access to that before and they stopped and, and uh, they might be interested in taking their practice sort of to the next level in various different ways. And so this episode is really for you if that's a position that you're in. And you might not necessarily think that you are, maybe you just began, but you're kind of interested in in looking into the practice a little bit more. Maybe going somewhere or doing something that, you, that allows you to sort of explore this practice a little bit more. And so I'm going to have various different elements, different types of tips within this episode uh, that will give you a place to start in various different ways. So the first thing I'm going to start off with is I'm going to talk about the major things that you can do to sort of expand your practice on a larger on a larger scale. And then after that, we're going to talk about in more of a technical aspect, how you can advance your practice uh, for those of you who've begun your mindfulness meditation practice you know the typical mindful breathing your likelihood is you're just sitting down in a certain some sort of meditation posture you're following your breathing you're breathing mindfully, and you're acknowledging thoughts, feelings, and various different bodily sensations that arise non-judgmentally, and then you allow them to pass, or you simply shift your attention back to your breath, which is usually the way I describe it. I think it's a lot easier to understand it like that. Uh, Just shifting your attention back to your breath once you realize you've lost your your focus, your concentration. So that basic practice, and of course, you're counting your breath. So you count the in-breath one, out-breath two, In breath three, out breath four, attempting to get up to 10. And when you become distracted by one of those thoughts, feelings, or sensations, you go back to that one count. That's the basic practice. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people continue to do that because they find that their mind just never kind of gets to that point where it's it's calmed down enough to where they can kind of go to that next level. A lot of people just aren't aware of it as well. Eventually, everybody will get to that practice as long as you work at it, uh, or get to that point as long as you work at it. Uh, but most people, again, don't know that there's sort of a next level that once you get to that point where you can consistently get to 10 Uh, You kind of really just rest in the breath outside of counting or there's various different things you can do in between there So that's the technical aspect. We're going to talk about after the major suggestions and at the end I'm just going to kind of do a little like a little rapid-fire just give a couple of different little mini tips that can help you sort of expand your practice if you're just you're really getting a lot from your practice you're maybe towards the more the, the beginning of your practice and you're interested in finding out yeah, how can I just do little things to sort of take my practice to to the next level? Sort of maybe uh, prioritize it a little bit more in my life. And what can I do to, to just take it to the next level in a, in a little way? So kind of three different aspects that we're going to talk about. Uh, each category is relatively short, uh, but there's a lot of really good tips spread throughout this episode that I think will give something for everybody. Uh, for everybody to take so this first section are the they're my major suggestions for those of you who you you could have been practicing uh, for a few weeks a month and you've experienced the benefits so this just, you you felt what the practice has been able to do for you uh, how it's made you feel whatever that might be all the way across to those people who have been practicing for some time uh, likely it is you experienced or you you encountered the practice you're introduced to it online or some other way such as that, maybe you were initially inter- or invited to a retreat, a short retreat, or you went to a sort of a one-time class. So you don't have any sort of formal uh, class. You don't have a formal center or a monastery or a program or anything you're attached to. You have your own individual uh, practice, but you don't so much have a community alongside that. And so that's where these tips will be most useful for those people in those particular situations. And so there's essentially, once before, about five or so main suggestions that I have here. Now, all of these are really useful, and depending on what your situation is, some of these might be more more useful than others, some of these might be more possible than others. Uh, So let's start with number one, which is taking a course. And particularly a course, I mean a course online. Uh, that's what I'm focusing on here. Um, the second point I'll go into more non-online courses. I things think it's in that nature. But number one, take a course. A course online, an online course. There are a lot of really great resources now. And there's more popping up as time goes on. Uh, I'm actually in, in the works. I'm, I'm currently creating, uh, working on, uh, with a gr- really great group of people. Uh, my... Uh, first really full-fledged online course uh, specifically on just the mindfulness meditation practice and creating a consistent daily practice. I found that a lot of people have trouble creating a consistent practice, actually making it a habit. Uh, So anything along that line, uh, there's a lot of websites that I follow like lionsroar.com, tricycle.com. Both of those are specifically Buddhist publications. Um, But there's a lot of websites online that offer online courses. I don't know if if, Mindful, if Mindful.org actually offers uh, courses yet or not. I haven't seen anything come up, but I'm sure if they don't yet, then they will soon. Uh, I'll make sure to double-check on that. If I find anything, I'll put it in the, in the, the show notes for you guys to, to check out. But a course online allows for really anybody to take advantage of it, no matter where you are, whether you have classes or any sort of center nearby you or not. You can take one of these courses online. It's structured information. It's often much better than, you know, it's great to time to time consume articles and, and podcasts and that sort of thing. And I love it. I consume them all the time. And I do courses and all kinds of different things that I'm interested in. Uh, but to consume something that's more structured, you know, like a book is often more beneficial to us than a couple of articles put together, as an example. The course is the next step beyond the book, for instance. And so a course really offers a great opportunity to, to consume a certain amount of knowledge in a structured way that other mediums really don't allow you to do. And that's kind of why uh, online courses are really taking off right now. Uh, they're a really effective way to teach, and it's uh, really a part of the future of, of education in a big way, I believe. And so you can look them up, you know, there's various different types of courses. Some are more expansive than others. Some are better than others, in my opinion. Uh, and there's also just the types of courses that you're looking for. There's different types of courses, different shades of the practice. And you know, within mindfulness, you could be talking about parenting. You could be talking about dealing with physical pain, chronic physical pain. Uh, so you might want something specialized. You might want something general. And so it all depends on what it is. Uh, truth be told, there isn't a whole lot of courses out there specifically on mindfulness practice, but there is a couple. And depending on what you're looking for, uh, there are some some good ones good ones out there. Uh, one thing that I haven't found though, which is why I'm making the course on it, is to really create and stick to a consistent daily meditation practice. Uh, I haven't really found any great resource out there that that really allows you to do that. And it's a big problem I found for a lot of people. So uh, when I have more information on that, I'll give you guys the link. I'm really excited about it. Uh, it's really turning out amazing. So yeah again, I'll let you guys know when I have a link for that. But that's a big problem I found a lot of people have that really uh none of the the courses or resources out there help people with uh, it's really a big problem. We're super busy and mindfulness meditation helps us in so many ways, but we're so busy that we can't even keep up a consistent practice. So how can the practice help us unless we can keep up a practice? So it's kind of an, an interesting conflict there. So. Uh, yeah, again, well, if we I have a link, I'll make sure to let you guys know. But a course of any type, you can look them up. You can put in mindfulness courses, or I'm sure you can type in mindfulness online courses on Google, and there'll be a number of them will come up. Uh, there's one or two that come to mind that I'll link to in the show notes. So you guys can check it out as well. Uh, so there's that as well. So uh, number two is a program. And when I mention a pro, when I say a program, I'm specifically talking about a live program, uh, like an eight-week program-like program like MBSR, which is Mindfulness Based Stress Reduction, that is that program is essentially what started the interest uh, in the scientific research of mindfulness. Uh, it was created by Jon Kabat-Zinn, who uh, he is friends with a number of really well-known uh, meditators in the U.S. Uh, within Zen and Vipassana as well. And so he created this program, and he had he's practiced for years and yeah for decades himself. Created this program uh, somewhere around thirty years ago, I believe. Now is quite a while ago, and over time, uh, certain individuals became interested in it. They began to study it, and there was some really amazing benefits that were uh, that were cited through these various different research studies. And then it just began to explode from there. And so that's really kind of the beginning of mindfulness meditation in the West. Um, in fact, this week, I'm working on a post. I don't know if it's going to go live around the same time as this episode or not, but on all the various different benefits of mindfulness practice. And I've never written an article that's this really expansive, specifically on the benefits of the practice. So I think that'll be a really great resource for a lot of people. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but So programs could be MBSR is the first one that comes to mind. There are more specific programs uh, like MBCT, which is uh, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. There's also programs on uh, chronic physical pain, uh, such as uh, Vigilama Birch. Uh, she has a program specifically to help people deal. use mindfulness practice to deal with chronic physical pain. There is also a program that I just heard about the other day, specifically on parenting and childbirth, uh, which is pretty crazy. And there's basic programs as well that are just about teaching you the practice. And these are generally programs where, uh, or the sort of thing where you actually go into a physical space and you study there and you accumulate a certain number uh a certain number of weeks. Uh most of these are eight-week programs. It's just the way that they've structured that they are structured rather. So they're a great opportunity as well. And these are highly dependent on where you're at, your location. Uh but if this is the sort of thing that interests you, particularly if you're interested in mindfulness from a sort of secular approach, there's a lot of a lot of great things. There, this isn't so much for uh, for specifically learning from a Buddhist perspective. There's not so much programs like that that exist. Uh, The way that uh, Buddhist studies are put and meditation programs are put together does not really in this in this. just structured that way so but if you're interested in that uh i'll put links to the basic you know mbsr mbct websites on the show notes as well so program's another good opportunity as well to really expand your practice if you're just if you've just been meditating by yourself for some time so number three uh again a very different shade of taking your practice to the next level various different a very different shade of practice this is going on retreat And a retreat is very popular. Retreats themselves are very popular amongst meditators, uh, particularly serious meditators, uh, which is why it's so fitting for this episode. Uh, Serious meditators really try to make sure that they can go on retreat, uh, if not a few times, at least once in a year, even if it's just for a matter of a couple of days a week, possibly. What a retreat is, is it's essentially the most intense practice that you can experience. So a group of people will go to a specific place that is designated for that retreat. It's totally separate. You know, it's like up on a a hill somewhere or in a forest somewhere, something, some sort of, you know, like a camp center or something like that, some sort of facility where it's away from everyone's homes. You know, you're going away from your home. You're stepping out in this totally different environment. And most of these retreats, they're called silent retreats. So what happens is you go, let's say, for a week. And every day, you meditate for the vast majority of the day. You meditate for 8, 10, 12 hours. And so there's really long periods of meditation uh, spread in between that or periods you know, of walking meditation. Maybe you eat mindfully in between there. And usually there's a short talk at the end of of, uh, of that day with one of the particular teachers that's leading the retreat. So it's a very intense practice. And the benefit of doing that, uh, while it only lasts a week, such intense practice like that can really help deepen your, meditation, your mindfulness meditation practice in a general sense. Uh, and a lot of people consider that to be a really important aspect of a serious meditation practice, particularly because of the type of, of lives that we lead, where it really sort of keeps us from having such a minimal practice uh, throughout the rest of the year and that it's important to have at least some period in the year where we really go into intense practice. So there's not really anything anything sort of backing up that claim. That's all just sort of the general uh, belief structure uh, within the practice community. Um, But a lot of people really feel a lot of benefit from going on retreat. And so it's something that I would suggest that if it sounds interesting to you, it's something that you have this kind of schedule that allows you to do that. And honestly, most of these people don't, they just make it happen. Uh, So there's also that to consider. Uh, But if you're really serious about your practice, you want to take it to another level this is really something to look into just keep in mind uh, you will have to generally you re- move your schedule around a little bit most of these retreats a real you know typical retreat will last about a week or so uh, there are shorter ones that you can go to for just a few days though you just have to look around all depends on your area how far you're willing to travel and really the tradition kind of you want to practice under there's general mindfulness meditation retreats there's Zen retreats, Vipassana. So it all depends on what it is. Uh, but make sure that if you just do a quick Google search based on what you're looking for, if you want, uh, if you want a Vipassana uh, mindfulness meditation retreat, you type that in and you can find various different resources. And there are quite a few if you're in the West, particularly in the US, there are quite a few all throughout the United States. Uh, so you might have to you know, wait a month or two when the next one's going to happen nearby, uh, but you should be able to find something nearby you, or at least not too far. So, number three is finding a teacher. Uh, and I kind of combine this with number five, although I do consider them separate finding a teacher, or finding a center, or a monastery, or somewhere to go to, rarely where you meet with a group of people. Uh, so, first, I'll talk about finding a teacher. So finding a teacher is something that, particularly if you're interested in learning from the, uh, from the uh, originally Buddhist aspect of, or side of, of mindfulness meditation practice and really learning the origins of the practice and whether you're interested in, in, in practicing uh, Buddhist uh, meditation at large or you just want to practice mindfulness meditation you want to learn more about the Buddhist aspect and uh, just sort of enrich your practice from from that side of things. Finding a local center, uh, or rather in this case, finding a teacher can be really helpful. And now this one is really unfortunately highly location dependent. Um, This is, it just really all depends on where you're at. Uh, You can't really so much be picky with this unless you're willing to travel great distances and do something sort of severe, which... You know, some of you might feel like doing that, and, and that's always a possibility. Uh, I'd always uh, I always make sure to to uh, give a sort of word of caution about that. If you've just begun your practice, don't go jumping to do something rash. Uh, if you're really serious about your practice and you really feel passionate about it, and it's really sort of sparking something in you, uh, I would tell you to wait a bit of time first. And if you still feel like that after some time, then act on it. Uh, But many times what happens in the beginning, and they have this, uh, they talk about this in Zen. There's this sort of idea that, oh, if I go to, I've talked about this before, uh, I don't remember when exactly, but, you know, if you go to Zen, you'll get authentic Zen training. If you're not in Japan, or if you go to Japan, you'll get authentic Zen training. If you're not in Japan, it's not authentic Zen training. And not only is that completely untrue because Zen has, for the most part, moved on to the U.S., to the West, Um, and it's not all that big in Japan anymore, although we think it is because we still read stories from so many years ago. Um, But also, that was never necessarily true, so long as some sort of reputable teacher has moved over here and there's someone that can teach you. You don't have to be in Japan. It doesn't matter where you're at. Uh, There's so many reputable Zen or Vipassana or whatever the tradition is. It could be if you want to learn Tibetan Buddhism, you know, Vajrayana. Mindfulness exists in in all the various different schools, essentially, of Buddhism. Whatever it is you want to learn, there's teachers essentially throughout the world nowadays. And so don't feel like you have to go to a particular country. It could be a very beneficial experience. There's a lot of history within those particular traditions, depending on on where you go. Uh, In the case of Zen with with Japan, that could be a very beneficial trip. Uh, That's something that I'm very much looking forward to in the future. But don't think that you have to go there to learn the practice. Or to really deepen your practice—that's that's a total misconception. Uh, and again, if you kind of feel that, just sort of wait before you act on it, and and you know allow some time to go by first. If you still feel like that afterwards, then it's it's probably authentic. It's not just you sort of convincing yourself you have to be somewhere to achieve this level in your practice. In um, which case, yeah, that's not good. You'll definitely need to to wait that out. Uh, so yeah, just a little quick word of warning that happens to some people. Sometimes it's a real thing that's talked about essentially through each each of the different schools, uh, particularly in the case of Zen with Japan, there's just sort of this alluring quality to it. So the finding a teacher, again, that's very much location dependent. It depends on where you're at, what kind of a teacher you want. Uh, the kind of teacher that you're looking for might not be anywhere near you, unfortunately. So that's just something that's just kind of just up to a number of different factors. Again, uh, you could be willing to do something about that, uh, or you could also get lucky, or maybe you're not, you don't find anything. And that's where things like courses, um, and also maybe just temporarily going on retreat. Maybe, you know, you can't necessarily relocate yourself, but you can go on retreat for a week, you know, across the country uh, with a teacher that you really respect. That's that's another option to consider. So, uh, but finding a teacher is highly beneficial, uh, a really reputable teacher, who's within the tradition or, you know, if it's secular mindfulness that teaches the way that you want to learn it, uh, that is invaluable. That's so valuable. And so I would definitely suggest this might be where you want to start off at. And if you don't find anything, you kind of expand from there, uh, depending on what you're looking for. But a lot of you, this will be a good place to start, uh, to first see if you can find something, uh, yeah, a lot obviously won't, but again, there's various different options that I'm going through within here. So there's something for everyone to take advantage of to really take your practice further in a general sense. So lastly, which is kind of tied to finding teachers, finding a center. Of course, often these teachers, these centers have their teachers and the various different teachers, uh, even if they're like secular centers, you know, they have their authorities that teach the classes. So it's all the same thing. Uh, so a center to start going to regularly. So this, again, is very much location-dependent. It's something that you can look up online. I have a few different directories that I point people to quite often. Uh, a lot of times it's within the uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's Plum Village uh, lineage of Zen. Uh, I have a few different uh, resources that I can point to with regards to that. But there's other others also. as Shambhala and there's Vipassana and various different things. Uh, I was trying to look into finding some sort of a resource for a secular practice, some sort of uh, directory or something like that, but I haven't been able to find anything yet, unfortunately. But I'm going to keep looking. If anybody has anything, feel free, uh, just shoot me an email, or if you go to buddhaimonia.com forward slash contact, you can send me something uh, that I can put into the show notes and let people know about. Uh, that would be really useful to people as well. So yeah, finding a center just to go to regularly again, very location dependent. But a lot of these things you can do quick Google searches for. You can type in your city, and then depending on what you're looking for. So if you're looking for uh, Vipassana, if you want to learn, if you want to go to a center that that teaches uh, Vipassana mindfulness meditation practice, so you type in Vipassana mindfulness meditation, and then you know whatever that might be, Los Angeles, California. If you type that in, then whatever it is that's there is whatever exists is essentially going to pop up. Uh, Google essentially has has all of that, uh, and so you can search for that and. The you know sometimes addresses and actual locations nearby will pop up right away. You can actually just click on the map and see where they're at. Other times it's websites. You have to look up their address. But if you do that, that quick Google search for teachers or for centers, uh, a lot of you will be able to find something. A lot of you won't, unfortunately. But that's just really how it is. Again, you can go the route of of going on retreat every once in a while or looking for you know communities online, which are kind of mature immature right now um they are just really in their infancy but uh over the years uh, or rather in a few years i think there's going to be a really uh an explosion of online practice communities so that i think that's that's there to look forward to i can't really point anything any, anybody to anything really strong yet uh, but i do believe that's going to be something really big uh in the coming years online practice communities so that people can have some sort of semblance of having a practice community online for those that don't actually have a center nearby them that you know that don't have the ability to relocate, which is going to be a lot of us. Um, so yeah, there's that to look forward to as well. But nothing really that I can point to people people to yet. So that is essentially my overarching major suggestions with regards to you know just the general ways you can take your practice further. You can learn more and advance your meditation practice. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the technical aspect. About, okay, if you've begun your practice and you've done the basic practice that it suggested in the beginning to count your breath. So in-breath is one, out-breath is two, in-breath is three. As I explained in the beginning of the episode, that how do you advance from there? Now, there is a chance that you've heard before that once you get to the point where you can comfortably count to ten, that you just rest with the breath, meaning, or or rather, maybe you've heard it described as following the length of the breath. So instead of counting, you're just mindful of the breath, the sensation of breathing, either in your abdomen and your chest, the the uh, the edge of your nostrils, whatever that might be, feeling the sensation of the breath from the beginning to the end of each each breath, the length of each in-breath and out-breath. Now, the only problem with that is quite often you're not really ready to move on, to jump from counting your breath to that, even if you feel like you're comfortable with counting your breath. So there is a few little sort of in-between stages I'm going to talk about real quickly to help you sort of progress that stage to where you can rest firmly on the breath, which is an important stage to get to. Uh, especially if you're interested in, again, as I mentioned in the beginning, sort of the deep end of the pool of meditation, getting to the point where you can uh, reach this sort of the, the level of achieving deep insights in your meditation practice. If you're particularly interested uh, in that type of thing, so uh, or just in a general sense, just improving your your practice and making your practice more beneficial. That's all. This is also important for that, for that as well. So, if you're counting your breath. And you get to the point where you kind of comfortably go to 10. You're getting to the point where you can do that pretty consistently in your practice. The next stage that you can do, instead of just jumping to following the breath, uh, in between that, what you can do is there's two different ways you can go about it. You can do one in-breath and out-breath, a full breath in and out as a one count. So you're counting to 10, but you're essentially doing what would have then been a 20 count. So you breathe in. Out one. In out two. And you count to ten like this. So an in-breath plus an out breath is a one count. Alternately, what you can do to sort of begin to get yourself to slowly move into that stage of resting on the breath. What you can do is you can count the in breath and be mindful of the length of the out breath. So you can count one in breath or count breath breathe in one. And as you breathe out, you're mindful of the length of the breath. And then you breathe in again, too. And then you're mindful of the length of the breath. And so you can kind of, you know, combining that practice of being mindful of the, of the length of the breath, at least partial, and then making the in-breath and out-breath uh, one count, uh, this is more effective because it gets, to, it gets you to begin to move in to uh, just resting in the breath so again the in breath is one and then you're mindful of the full length of the out breath and then the next in breath is two and you move on from there and you start over just in the same way as you usually would if you become interrupted by any thought feeling or sensation you shift back to your breath in on the in breath and mindful of the full length of the out breath and then what you can do if you become comfortable with that after a week Uh, or two possibly, you can switch it off and you can be mindful of the length of the in-breath and then count the out-breath. Just sort of changing it up and making it to where you're practicing, being mindful of the full length of the in-breath, not just the out-breath. So now you've done each side, you've just done it as a separate practice. Now at that point, You'll be much more likely to be comfortable to actually rest in the breath because you actually practice with that while still holding on to your counting practice that sort of stabilized you that sort of kept you grounded, kept your practice effective because uh, what can happen is you you jump in. So you feel like you've begun uh, gotten comfortable counting, you can get to a high count really consistently and you try to rest in the breath. Well you then go from having a beneficial practice an effective practice is just feeling like you're lost the entire practice because you can't you're not really to the point your concentration isn't developed enough to where you can actually rest in the breath and actually be mindful of the length of the breath you just end up finding that you're lost for way more of the session than if you would be counting so if that's the case you know usually you go back to counting your breath well in this case you can kind of try that in between practice and see if that works for you now of course the sort of benchmark of this whole thing is how effectively does it work for you. If you just can't seem to do any of them, well, you're counting. You're doing the full count, in-breath one, out-breath two. If you're to the point where you try out the in-breath one, the out-breath following the length, and you feel like you can kind of do that, then you stick with that. If you feel like you can do that easily, then try resting in the breath. If you can't do that yet, then go back. Do the one count on the breath, on breathing in, following the length of, of the out-breath. If you feel like you can't do that, uh, and you thought you could, then go back and just continue to count in-breath one, out-breath two. So that's a really easy benchmark. How well can you do it? Now, on certain particular days, your mind's going to be extra crazy. Uh, so I'd suggest you try it out for two or three days and see if, see if it works out or not. Or just to make sure you start uh, the practice or pick the practice to do it on the first time on a day where uh, it wasn't especially crazy. It's just sort of a typical day for you. So that's a really easy way that you can advance your practice in a way that can make it easy to move into that point where you can just rest, rest in the breath. Uh, this is really important. It's a very important progression in the practice of mindfulness meditation. It's it's a, a point where you can begin to work on your concentration in a more subtle way, uh, and to where you can really experience a deeper, uh, deeper meditation sessions you are no longer counting you're actually able to just rest in the breath and be mindful of the breath and of course you're able to do that because your concentration has improved enough the counting practice has in, has improved your concentration enough to where you can just rest and be mindful in the breath so your concentration is is much more strong is much stronger and you can pay attention to things in a much more much more subtle way so it is very important to do to advance in the practice, to make the practice more beneficial in general sense. So uh, that's something that you can utilize. Real simple practice that'll allow you again to help deepen your practice, take your practice to the next level in a technical sense. So another last point alongside that is talking about sort of a roadmap. Now, if you're particularly, the disclaimer here is that if you're interested in taking your practice further uh, with regards to the traditional Buddhist. Aspect of things and you really want to study from that perspective. Maybe you didn't in the beginning, maybe you did, but you didn't uh, pursue it so much. You have your own individual practice and you haven't really found a teacher or a center or really just in a general sense just followed any sort of specific tradition. Well, the different traditions have their different maps for, you know, the different levels of insights the sort of the road to Uh, enlightenment or awakening you could call it and of course this is just all up to the person some people care about this or not some people um, they're more skeptical and they don't so much think that's something that's that's uh, really a thing and they're still questioning it and wherever you're at on the path it really doesn't matter whatever it is that you believe or prefer uh, the practice you can do the practice however you prefer but uh, this is for those that are interested in that if you are interested in that if you are interested in really taking your practice further, and you know whatever it is you decide to call it, awakening is is uh, to me the most correct term. Enlightenment is generally the English translate, the original English translation of it, which is sort of the end all quote unquote goal of Buddhist meditation practice or Buddhist practice in general sense. Uh, that's what the Buddha was purported to have achieved, and uh, many other Buddhist practitioners in between him and uh, our current. Uh, current time. But if that's something that interests you, then my suggestion would be that you really shouldn't, uh, you know, fumble around with it on your own. You should find the tradition that really fits you, that you feel fits you. And if you don't know what that is, and just sort of fishing around, pick what seems like it might fit, try it out. If it doesn't fit for you, then try out another, another tradition, another school of practice, as it's typically called. Um, But that's important because each tradition has their map. And you know, no map is right, or you can't say one's right and what's wrong. They just have different maps that are essentially the, the the stage of the stages of progression to getting to that path, to getting to that that point where you achieve nirvana, nirvana as it's called, uh, the extinguishing, uh, and you achieve enlightenment or awakening. And so again, you find the one that fits you. But that's really important because that gives you guidance. And so now you start working with a teacher and you work with others and you actually have a more official practice and your your practice is much more guided from that point. Uh, It's really important if you are very much interested in deepening your practice in that way that you don't go fumbling around with it on your own. It's important to find a teacher, to find a tradition, a school that fits you and to really pursue that as opposed to thinking you could just do it on your own. There have been people who have been doing it for thousands of years. They've really perfected every different type of of path that there could be you just have to find the one that works best for you so again there will be resources to a couple different a couple different things you guys can look into in the show notes you guys can can just uh, you know fish around in and check out so that is it as far as the technical aspect is concerned a basic way you can advance your practice Advance your mindfulness meditation practice, and then also what to do if you're really interested in deepening it to a great level, uh, and and going to that sort of of ultimate stage uh, of of the the practice uh, as it was originally intended, at least. So this last uh, section is essentially sort of quick fire tips that I'm going to give, just some simple tips that kind of didn't fit in those first two sections, but are beneficial and can really help you and are for the most part really simple, Uh, really simple things that you can do to take your practice to another level. So just a few real easy tips or quick tips rather, some of them are easier than others. This first one I think is the most beneficial and depending on how uh, much time you take to meditate in a day, this will be easier than others. But my first tip is to add a second form of meditation, which complements your existing practice. And to not make this confusing and make you feel like you have to go looking into a bunch of stuff and do research, uh, my immediate and absolute first suggestion, this is what I do as a a secondary practice, if you're practicing mindfulness meditation, begin to also do a little bit of loving kindness meditation practice, Uh, uh, possibly daily. I'd suggest daily. If you can't, try to do it a few times in a week. But loving kindness meditation is a perfect complement to it. Uh, the Buddha suggested as a practice, he taught the practice itself along with his mindfulness practices, his insight practices, uh, which mindfulness meditation practices sometimes called. Um, so loving kindness meditation is a perfect complement to that. Uh, I have a really simple, straightforward guide to it on the blog that I'll link to in the show notes. Uh, but loving kindness meditation for those that don't know is essentially, it's essentially the practice of, Sending good vibes, good feelings, thoughts uh, to someone else or to yourself in your mind. So it's sort of a projection practice. You think of a person, you try to picture them as clearly as you can, and then you send well wishes to them. And the way that you do that is you usually repeat a mantra. There's different ways to do it. You could do sort of image or you could picture something, but typically you repeat a mantra like, be well, may you be well, may you be happy, may you be healthy, something like that, something really simple. And you repeat that mantra, uh, and towards that towards that person that you're thinking about, uh, clearly in your mind. So it's a very simple practice. It perfectly complements mindfulness practice for so many different ways, um, the cultivation of compassion and kindness are closely related with mindfulness practice and it's something that, that allows you to do. Uh, Loving kindness meditation is really the second form of meditation. It's getting a lot of attention as far as scientific research is concerned. Uh, and it's showing a lot of really amazing benefits and it's really the perfect complement. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the Buddha taught the practice as well. Um, Theravadin Vipassana practitioners practice that right alongside their mindfulness meditation practice. Uh, at least many do. Um, So it's a really common practice. It's common throughout Tibetan Buddhism as well, Uh, various different Tibetan lineages and everything. Uh, You'll probably hear about that a lot from uh, if you've heard the Dalai Lama speak or read anything of his. uh, He talks a lot about loving-kindness uh, and loving-kindness meditation everything so uh, that would be my initial suggestion of course if you have something else in mind you could do that uh, but for those who have no idea where to go but they think that this sounds like a good idea to add a sort of a second form that complements their existing practice even if it's just for a few minutes every couple of days uh, this would be my immediate suggestion uh, there's a lot of a lot of benefit a lot of value in bringing the practice of loving kindness. Uh, loving kindness meditation end your day as well. So, number two would be to create a meditation space. Uh, if you're beginning your practice or you just never really had a dedicated space for your practice, uh, if you're finding it hard to be consistent, there's so many different things you can do to really create a consistent practice. Really, you know, stick to the practice, to find the time, to stick to a consistent meditation practice. Um, and that's why I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Why I'm putting together a course for that. That's such a big thing that a lot of people have challenges with. But one simple thing that you can do right now is to create a meditation space. Create a dedicated space that's only for your meditation practice. So you sort of clear a corner or a room, or or just a little part of a room out, and you just make it dedicated to your meditation. So you put a meditate you get a real meditation cushion. And you make sure you clear that space of distractions. Keep it clear of distractions, and and just make sure that's your dedicated space. And it just it sort of it sends a, a sort of a uh, a message to your mind in a general sense that like, hey, look, this is something that's important to me. I've dedicated a space to this, and it makes it to where you never wonder where you're going to meditate. There's never any confusion. You know exactly where you need to go. Uh, You've hopefully removed as many potential distractions as possible, so it's as easy to get to as possible. Various different little things about it uh, sort of remove little pieces of resistance to sitting in meditation consistently. So if you don't have a dedicated meditation space yet, uh, that's another little suggestion for you as well. Uh, Also, to rise a little bit earlier, so if you've been having... A hard time f- finding the time to practice, then one of my number one suggestions is just to rise a little bit earlier. Uh, now, if you're a night owl, my suggestion would be to just stay up a little bit later. I don't suggest that you fight against your physiological uh, uh, tendencies uh, or habitual conditioning. Uh, if you feel like you can rise, you know, twenty minutes earlier, and that's all you need. Uh, depending on how long you practice, of course, if you just begin to practice meditating for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Rise an extra 20 to 30 minutes early and you've got your time right there. You've literally found, you've made that time. You've essentially made it come out of nowhere. Now, of course, I'm not suggesting here that you cut your sleep down. Uh, Sleep is very important and I make sure that I get enough sleep each day, but your meditation practice is extremely important as well. And if you're just making a half hour extra uh, in your day and you're able to fit that in. And for some reason, you can't find the time anywhere else. I would suggest you try to find the time elsewhere. But if you really can't find the time elsewhere, uh, that's a really easy way to do it. And then from there, you can work on improving your practice and, you know, finding additional time for it. Uh, but that's a really easy thing you can do. So it help take your practice further, especially if you're having a hard time finding time uh, to practice itself. Another real simple thing you can do is to add a session. End of the day, let's say you're meditating for uh, 20 minutes to each day in the morning. Uh, you can add a quick session for 10, 15 minutes in the afternoon on your lunch break or right before you go to sleep. It's a really simple thing. A lot of times we think about just meditating at one time in the day, but uh, in that second session, maybe you think about it, but you think you have to meditate for the same amount of time and you don't. You could just meditate for five minutes before you go to sleep. That little, little thing will make a big difference. It really will really well. Even if you're meditating for 20 minutes in the morning, meditate for another five before you go to sleep or on your lunch break or whatever that might be. That'll really make a big difference. And it's such a simple thing that you can do. Uh, also, you can set a daily meditation time goal. Um, and what this is, it's sort of a collective time goal. So what you can do is if you want to sit down for a total of an hour, let's say you're really kind of expanding your practice and you want to sit down for more like an hour. But you've only been sitting down for, let's say, 30 to 45 minutes in the morning, and you kind of have a hard time putting all of that time into the morning. Uh, You can always add a second session, and maybe that's enough. Maybe it's not enough for you, though. Maybe it just doesn't work. Uh, This is another sort of alternative. You can essentially set a daily meditation goal. So let's say if you sit an hour, your goal is however the heck you got to make it happen, you have to sit down for a grand total of one hour by the end of the day. So it's a, that's why I said it's a collective time goal. So if your collective goal is one hour, you could sit for a half hour in the morning. You could sit for 10 minutes on your lunch break. You could sit for, sit for an additional 10 minutes after you get home from work, and then you could sit for another 10 minutes before you go to sleep. Or you could do 30, and maybe your goal is to do another 15 for lunch and then 15 at bed. Maybe you miss the 15 for lunch, and then you do 30 minutes before you go to sleep. Uh, maybe you have five minutes sitting... Uh, in your car waiting for somebody or something that counts check that off so it really gives a certain level of flexibility to your practice and it keeps you you know it keeps you from putting your practice off if you feel like you need the specific situation for your practice to happen then that can actually keep you from practicing if you just give if you set this sort of collective daily goal it gives you a lot of flexibility you know you can get that time wherever it is or you can do that time wherever it is you can get it And so that's an additional little tip that will allow you to get more meditation time in the day without feeling like you have to do it in any sort of a formal way. So that's another little tip. That's the end of my grand total of tips, the end of the rapid fire session as well in particular. So we covered uh, pulling back a little bit. We talked about over... Overarching sort of general suggestions for taking your practice further uh, in your life as a whole. We talked about technical suggestions for uh, advancing your specific practice uh, as you sit down. And then also we talked about some rapid fire tips, some real simple tips that you can do. Uh, Most of these really easy that you can do uh, and that have a real positive impact on your practice. So I hope within here, everyone was able to take something uh, from these tips. These tips are pretty spread out. It's not just for those who've been practicing for a year or two that want to take their practice further. It's also for those who've been practicing for a month and are thinking, you know what, this is like really had a positive impact in my life and I really want to do something with this. I want to take this sort of to the next level. And how do I do that? So hopefully those two people and that sort of that, that sort of spectrum everybody in between was able to find something from it i know a lot of these diff- various different tips i've been able to take advantage great advantage of to take my own practice further so i hope everybody got something from it all right i hope you enjoyed today's episode of zen for everyday life and i hope everybody got again got something from the various different tips i know i mentioned a lot on uh, it spanned as I mentioned, sort of a really broad spectrum, uh, whether those of you who are, you know, those of you who are be- just beginning your practice or those of you who have been practicing for some time now. Uh, so, yeah, I hope you got a lot from this episode. So, uh, just to end this episode, uh, for those of you who are interested in uh, getting the show notes or checking out more, you can go to buddhaimonia.com. Uh, that's spelled B-U-D-D-H-A. It's the word Buddha. And then the letters is im Onia.com, acom and uh, you can get the podcast show notes you can check out my weekly blog you can check out my mindfulness and meditation guides and uh, you can get all kinds of different things there including signing up to the newsletter uh, which you can get to at buddhaimonia.com forward slash newsletter uh, you can pick up my little book of mindfulness my ebook on mindfulness which is a overall introduction to the practice if you're totally new that'll get you started and even if you've been practicing for some time there's some great tips in there to help you take your practice further so you can pick that up for free by uh signing up to the newsletter and you'll get weekly emails from me various different messages and my new posts and podcasts and all that notifications on good stuff so uh, again you can go to buddhaimonia.com forward slash newsletter to sign up to the newsletter So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and I hope uh, everybody got something from it. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, Also make sure to check out this week's guided meditation, which is uh, sort of a general basic mindfulness meditation guided meditation. So uh, if you're just beginning the practice, if you haven't even meditated before, this is actually a really great place to start. I've done a few guided meditations that are in this sort of ballpark, but nothing as the perfect sort of beginner, basic, just starting out guided meditation for mindfulness meditation practice. So this is it. If that interests you, make sure to check it out. Uh, You can get the link there on the blog or you should be able to see it up on iTunes now. It should get posted at the same time as this, this episode did. So go ahead and check that out as well. And I look forward to seeing you next week.